Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com I mean, obviously, we see each other reasonably okay. frequently, but um, yeah. three years since we last sat down with microphones in our hands. Exactly. Yeah. And what are we doing? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't know why we stopped, um, but we're back. We are back. Yeah. And you know what? I, I I thought to myself, it was three yeah about three years ago when we when we started podcasting and <clears throat> I guess you can always look back in hindsight and say what if but it is one of those things you know if we'd have continued doing it where would we be now would people be listening to it be famous uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, podcast yeah. famous do you know what I, I just feel that actually I don't know what the audience was for the eight episodes that we did with Skull Session but I Often had people come up and say, look, you know, love the podcast, or you're doing it again. And, and I know we'd spoken a bunch of times, like, let's do it again. And for some reason, and I'm going to come on to this in just a second, you know, mm. what happened in the last three years, besides the obvious. But um, life gets yeah. in the way. Um, and somehow we haven't done it. And I guess the only thing now is that we are doing it. We want to do it. There's probably space in our lives now where we can say, yep, we can commit to doing this. Yeah. And um, there's the big question as to whether we continue doing it under Skull Sessions or we create a new brand of this. But I guess um, whoever's listening now will be like, ah, oh, that's, that's the decision that they made. But yeah, no, um, yeah, Maybe you'll, uh, you'll have a better <laughs> idea than we will. <laughs> but here we are. I mean, the most important thing is uh, I've always loved having conversations with yourself and um, the amount of times we have caught up in the past, asked each other how we're doing, and after an hour of rambling said, shit, we should have fucking recorded that. Yeah. And it, it, I've lost count of how many times we did it a few weeks ago. <laughs> <laughs> so here we are. Yeah. And I guess th this is really, uh, 
it's either episode nine or it's episode one, uh, whatever way we want to look at this. But it really is about um, reconnecting and saying that we're going to do another round of podcasting. Yeah, perfect. I mean, we have no idea what we're going to do about guests yet, but we, yeah, or not maybe not. <laughs> <laughs> maybe not. Maybe it's just us talking for an hour. Yeah. I've definitely heard a lot of um, really bad podcasts in the past that are still somewhat entertaining. And it is just like a, a one person ranting or two people talking sometimes in a pub. Um, and you know, there is some, you know, you, you drop into these things, you listen to them for a little while and you're like, yeah, okay. It's nice to be a little fly on the wall on the, in those situations. But, um, hopefully we can, uh, put something that's a little bit more aspiring and, you know, people want to come and listen, get some nice little takeaways from yeah, just what we a, put out. I don't know. It's, it's that, um, random bit of educational knowledge, I guess, that people don't really they've not listened to they've not seen they've not heard about because you know life does get in the way um, and maybe there's just some stuff that we can feed into people's lives and I think you know for me it's I feel it's an important yeah bit of knowledge sharing when we started Pilot Light like six seven years ago it was very much from our lived experience you know you went through what you went through I went through the same or, you know my journey and after kind of sharing our stories on social media, it, it, was, uh, it felt like there was a reason to go on that journey. You know, we, we, we uh, united on that one and started just talking, not as mental health experts, but just using our lived experiences and um, sharing them with others so people could find their voice and they could share their stories with other people. And um, I guess... Up until the pandemic, you know, we were ticking along, doing some good things. Then the pandemic hit us and we'd never been so relevant. And yet it was very difficult to build, you know, uh, a business as such around that because a lot of what we were doing was attached to restaurants and restaurants, the whole industry globally was hit really hard. So we were definitely, um, you know, we were definitely up against a lot, but I think you know, the pair of us, we've talked about this before, but, you know, we've not given up with Pilot Light. It's still very much a, a thing. But it was more about, we set out to raise awareness around mental health in hospitality, and we did that. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I think that was how, you know, I, I kind of stepped back from being, a, you know, talking about it all the time. Uh, and I know you went on your own journey. Um, again, we can, we can talk about that in more depth. But I just... Um, I guess we won't ever give up talking about mental health, but I think it is really about how we share our stories now and what we've been through over the last three years as to what we do in our lives to keep us in good mental health. Yeah, right? yeah. Um, yeah. I think it's the it's the conversation around mental health, really, isn't it? It's it's how people speak about it. Yeah. Because I guess if you talk about it too much, it becomes a day to day thing. Everybody latches onto it. Mm-hmm you know here's things that people are saying but picks the things that might be relevant to their life and believe they've got a problem and they probably don't um and and i think it's that we did a lot of uh, our work was around awareness it was around you know encouraging people to have a conversation all of these things but i think nowadays it's um it's important to give people the space to have a conversation 
but not necessarily encourage the direction in which mental health is kind of going. And I think that's where with Pilot Light, we, we didn't stop. We carried on doing things behind the scene. You know, the people that would reach out to us, we'd still talk, we'd still do things, and we still did some work with some local charities. But I think um, the direction that mental health is going in terms of you know you can go on social media for five minutes and if you just type in the word anxiety as a hashtag you'll just see a million things that will convince <laughs> you that you've got anxiety you know but actually just put your phone down yeah you know I've, obviously i'm saying that but i'm hoping people are listening to this <laughs> <laughs> podcasts are different right <laughs> yeah exactly no i think you're right i you know it was it, it became quite conflicting as well while you're talking about all these things that you know how to kind of change your mental health and you, you, there's government advice or rather you know NHS advice there are there are things that are out there and I I know that we've spoken about this before but those bits of advice are never enough it's almost like that's it's the the basic stuff that's out there um like if you go on the NHS website there's like the five pillars of mental health or at least I could be wrong I haven't looked at this for a little while but certainly a couple of years ago when I was looking there was like five pillars of mental health you know and I remember us doing this exercise you know way before the pandemic and we were talking about um like 12 pillars which I think you know for myself became like 14 pillars and you know I was doing various talks on it but it was really about you know these are the things I need at least six of these things in my life at any one time to say here we go if if you don't have this, if you don't do these on a daily basis, then your mental health's going to deteriorate. Yeah. And I know that because <laughs> <laughs> I've definitely lived through that. Um, and yeah, but most of the time, I'm pretty good at keeping those things on, uh, keeping on top of that. I understand my mental health way more now, knowing that you know when I push it to the limit, maybe I'm working a little too much. I can talk about the work-life balance all day long particularly with my you know my teams and stuff but at the same time you know if I'm not applying that to myself then I you know I need to be very aware that there's a finite amount of time I can continue down that route before things implode but luckily I think I'm you know strong enough to just go okay well I'm going to do it to then I'm going to make sure I pack out my life or my spare time with these other little bits and I'll get through it but I need to stop at this point if I can continue it's not going to be good for me probably not going to be good for people around me so it's just you know being very very aware of like you know what you can do and what you you know you're dicing with like you know I it's recognition isn't it you know that kind of you're aware of how those pillars and how in you know implementing those things into your life work but I think a lot of people um, are expecting some I'll give my brother as an example um, very recently bless him he's uh, finally come to terms with the fact that he probably needs a bit of support in his life um, and he was you know running through it in his brain for weeks trying to work out where's this breakdown come from how's it come out why, why is it here not realizing that actually it's just a very slow deterioration of a million things that with a little bit of help on your day to day can either slow that or stop that from even occurring yeah. but if you if you can't recognize 
you know little triggers here and there mm. things that you're doing slightly differently from a day to day because today you're too tired to do that whereas yesterday you were full of beans like yeah recognizing that yes you're tired have a break but why are you tired you know what are you doing why aren't yeah. you getting enough rest why aren't you eating well why aren't you doing these things why are you not sleeping yeah you know uh, insomnia doesn't just appear out of nowhere no and we need to look at the source don't we we can't just put a plaster on something and expect yeah. it to go away it might you know you might be able to sort it out for a couple of days a week or so but it's going to come back and bite yeah. you so yeah. it's about you know looking right back to the source why is this happening because things are often a symptom of something. <laughs> it's just whether <laughs> yeah. we choose to, you know, take a pill to make it go away, uh, you know, a headache tablet and forget about it. Yeah. Or we just say, okay, why am I experiencing this all the time? And I think that's what, you know, we want to share a little bit more about our yeah. lived experiences and what we've been doing in our lives. And, um, you know, if it helps a few people, then that's all you can ever ask, right? Well, that's it. That's what I think. I mean, you know, it's... Uh avoiding the uh the need for instantaneous relief and uh building on it before it actually happens right so i'm gonna go back to this yeah what have you been doing in the last three years um wow it's a big question it, i know it is know? yeah because it's like <laughs> and i don't need this in real time either <laughs> we'll break it down day in a nutshell but i know i know what you've been up to and yeah. i think there are just some, some important little bits to you can share with that yeah, I think. I mean, I you know coming towards the end of of you know when we were doing skull sessions previously, I we'd just gone back in. We'd gone into that second lockdown, so we'd had our break, we'd had our little sense of freedom, and all of a sudden, you know, mm. bang, gone away again. We were so busy with everything that we were doing that I hadn't recognised um, the impact that it was having on me. Yeah. You know, literally referring to what I said two seconds ago, I just didn't clock what was going on. Uh, had a break and you know had a dissociative episode and and needed to be off grid for a little while um brought myself back around eventually because um a lot of it actually became boredom of my own mm. you know self-pitying wallowing stuff got back into some good work worked with some really good friends and then um you know this time last year my you know, out of, out, completely out of the blue, my uh, my dad was diagnosed with terminal cancer, mm. was given, you know, up to two years and had three weeks. So it was quite a shock to the system. Yeah. Um, you know, two days after dad, I had to put one of the dogs down, which was my breaking point. I was all right. And then all of a sudden, you know, mm. there's that, um, you know, especially sort of first thing in the morning, you're picking a 50 kilo German Shepherd up stick it in the back of your truck it's quite yeah, yeah, exhausting of course you know that year round for me I have noticed recently some dips because um, you know I'm recognising that I'm tired I'm recognising I'm not doing things that I would do normally you know I went from the gym four or five days a week to um, pushing two at the max at the moment mm. so I'm still going but you you know you you really realize you don't sorry you don't realize the impact on just how good something is for you whilst you're doing it it's when you stop yeah or slow down that you start to realize you know that one day that you wake up and you go ah, i'm just gonna lie to the pt today i can't be bothered you know mm. and then you 
you don't respond to him for a couple of days so you don't book in your next appointment you know gym session and you don't drag yourself there again you've just gone four weeks without being at the gym and you're like yeah. what the fuck is going on um but you know working hard with a lot of consultancy bits and pieces and being busy but good busy at the moment because yeah. i've actually managed to provide myself with a little bit more time that i've never had before mm-hmm. um not utilizing it in the best way possible i could be doing <laughs> an awful lot more and i keep telling myself i need a holiday but um yeah it's you know in a nutshell it's pretty much like everyone else it's going up and down hills you know yeah um but doing well considering the issues yeah, yeah. i think you know and I, I wouldn't be able to do that without recognizing the things that are good for me and recognizing the things that are bad for me you know I certainly don't go out and drink half as much as what I used to. Uh, I still smoke. Yeah. But, you know, we've all got a vice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but, I, you know, I've got the gym. Um, I've got my nutrition, everything that I work in with that, which is a certain level of irony when it comes to smoking. Yeah. But, you know, studying all of that and learning all of that and all of the little bits and pieces that we put in our system, you know, mentally i'll be exhausted if i go a week of eating gluten yep but if i go back to my sort of once a day or not even touching it for a week mm-hmm. absolutely fine you know you see little dips yeah, in the patterns and it's, it's just recognizing those things i think and three years is quite a long time to to be healthy mm-hmm. and for the first time in three years i'm actually ill yeah and that's quite clearly stress related you know not necessarily managing I've been managing the health very well yes but not necessarily managing the situation so you know that all that stress that comes from you know grief and all of these things that haven't really dealt with because it just went straight back to work you know managed Mm -hmm. um, I didn't attack that situation I just pushed that situation to one side and managed everything else whereas you know like a a growth a cancer if you will just getting bigger and bigger and bigger behind the scenes you don't realize it's there and then all of a sudden bang it's taking over that's you know when you come to realize you've got to do something about it um absolutely i mean yeah it's i know when you went through your episode disassociative episode mm. Uh, it was 2021, 20. End of 2020. 2020. Yeah. And we, you know, we kind of lost you for a few months. Yeah. We didn't hear from you and it was worrying for us. You know, we obviously tried to get in touch with you and it's really, you find yourself quite hope, helpless that you can't help, you know, one of your closest. And yet for everything we've done with like pilot light and raising awareness and checking in, maybe it was also like, shit, we didn't check in enough. Do you know what I mean? And you know, it's, it, it was a funny thing because I know you were living with your parents at the time and we were like, well, we haven't got his parents' address. So we don't, <laughs> we don't even know how to get in touch with him. Yeah. And it was, um, it was really, really, I mean, it's terrible for yourself, <laughs> but it was actually just, you know, going through that as, you know, some of your closest friends, it was just like, it was really hard because we just wanted to help and there was no way of us being able no. to do that no it, it is a real struggle with those things as well because i think it's that recognition you know i had gotten to a point where i just wasn't realizing that my you know that 
the days were going so fast even just like you know not being on the internet all of the time not being on Instagram not texting well, I just wasn't even on my phone yeah. you know the days were still completely disappearing and, and um, you know all of a sudden you're just sort of like the fuck is going on mm. and then you think you know you start thinking about other people you turn the phone on you look at it and you're like Jesus Christ I've just not fucking responded to anybody yeah fuck I hate it when that happens to me. <laughs> yeah. You know, not from a, a a bad, it's not a bad thing, but it's not a good thing. And, and that we don't often realize the impact that our mental health is having on other people as well. Yeah, I can vouch for that. I think, you know, like I said earlier on, it's just like, if, if I don't put certain things in my life, I know it's going to affect my mental health. But how I then start projecting myself around other people I know that it will have that knock-on effect. Yeah. And um, yeah, I think it's, it is a responsibility as well. I mean, I know we've, we've talked uh, about what to do uh, as someone that might be going through something. Uh, and again, you know, it's, I think it's important that we look after ourselves. We bring things in our lives, but it's also our responsibility to other people and how we manage ourselves for other people. Yeah. Do you see what I mean? We can't be so selfish as to say that you know, I'm, I'm, I'm just going to look after myself and if I become a shitty person then that's, everyone else has to deal with it. It's, yeah. No, that's not... That's not the way it is. That's not the way <laughs> we're human beings. No. We, we, we have a duty of care to ourselves for the good of other people as well. Yeah. You know? Yeah, everybody... You know, nobody wants a shit version of you. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. People ain't going to help out. No one's going to ask how you're doing. No one's going to ask if you're okay. You're not if you're not you're the type of person that people want to be around. You know? No, no, you're absolutely right. And I mean, and people aren't going to always ask that question anyway because life does get in the way. Mm. Well, yeah. Uh, yeah, we just said that. You, you know, for some, for two people that have talked about you know checking in on your mates, and it's I, I suppose sometimes you, you you think we're all okay, and we never ask if we're all you know going through something. We're too busy helping others. And I see that I used to see you regularly anyway, but at no point, or probably not enough. I, it's that thing about hindsight, isn't it? Yeah. You just look back and go, maybe I just didn't check in enough. Maybe I did, but who knows? You know, it's yeah, just that it, thing that you just like, we should have known what you were going through, and somehow we didn't. Yeah. Something slipped through the net. So, again, these are lived experiences. And even with telling people, is like, it's just what we've gone through ourselves. That's it. I mean, and, and along that time, you know, th th those three months, yes, I might have been sort of disappeared, but you were, you were going on a journey at the same time, weren't you? You know, there was a lot mm -hmm. of um, plant medicine and research going on, mm -hmm. um, which has developed, <laughs> has <laughs> developed you as a person. I mean, we touched on a load of this with Richard Turner. Yeah. Um, which was a great podcast. It was a great conversation. Yes. The food that we had afterwards was also pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, it's it's really taken you on a journey, isn't it? Yeah, I, I mean, you know the story, I, and I've spoken to the, a lot of people close to me on that one. I think um, I was after the we were got, we were still in the pandemic. You know, it was late twenty twenty. Um, I think we was in the, one of the lockdowns, second lockdown. Actually, going back before that, it was it was during the first lockdown. I um, I started, you know, just finding ways to keep busy at home on my own. <laughs> 
and you know got into just doing bits of mushrooms and LSD and just like you know obviously I'd done them over the years many many times but I was also like I never really done them in a way of mental health I, I, I'd been microdosing when I was kind of at my very lowest point um you know six seven years ago so I knew the importance and I, I you know started reading a bit of research about microdosing and you know mental health but you looked at it from that point of view and I think during uh, the first lockdown while we were just bored got a bag of mushrooms and then just started doing them very very structured almost you know ceremonially yeah. and uh and that was it that was a, the catalyst really of saying that you just got to go further on this route something was telling me that you know you, you it was like calling me to go and seek more and you know started reading lots of books more Terence McKenna bits of Graham Hancock and you know um Alan Watts and loads and loads of stuff that just dragged me down this route of like you know uh, the kind of the importance that psychedelics and things like that had had in human evolution yeah and anyhow <laughs> I it was the second lockdown and a friend of mine said to me I know a guy that's serving ayahuasca somewhere in the UK <laughs> somewhere and um, do you want to go so under the you know we broke out of the, the lockdown rules and drove down to a little farm and I I knew what I wanted to go there for like you know I'd had kind of um even up, to, yeah, up till the the lockdowns, you know, um, alcohol and I and hard drug abuse, you know, yeah. it'd been there, and it's like twenty five years of uh, of some quite serious issues with it. And um, but I'd read about ayahuasca and DMT. I'd, I mean, I'd smoked DMT before that, but I read about ayahuasca uh, about twelve years ago, and it was. It was just one of these things that at the time of reading or watching, I can't remember what it was, um, I thought that's what's going to save me, that's what's going to help. And um, I just always thought that I had to go to the Amazon to do this. And some many people would say, yeah, you really should go to the Amazon. Yeah. But for whatever reason, it didn't appear in my life. And then we'd obviously got down this route of like... You know, yeah, six years ago, kind of rebuilding ourselves and, you know, um, putting other things into our lives to, you know, raise our mental health. And um, somehow I never quite got there until the lockdowns. And then uh, some it appeared. I said yes to it. And I went down into this ceremony. And I was literally taken to hell. <laughs> <laughs> I was I was literally taken to hell. Uh, it was a completely out of body experience for six hours, um, with you know the most intense visions of like war and death and money and all the you know things that are wrong in life. Um, I watched myself die a thousand deaths over and over again. <laughs> <laughs> I was in the fetal position of hell with all these demons around me until I said to myself, I'm not going to drink again. <laughs> and at that moment, at that moment, the medicine changed. It, it just, it kind of cradled me up. Um, I was purging really hard. It felt like, you know, the purge was sickness, but it, it felt like it was energy all trapped in my legs. It, it was like, you know, this black 
this darkness that had been you know stored up for 25 years inside of me so as I was like vomiting into a bowl it just felt like there was so much more coming up from the insides of like from my arms from my legs it was like unbelievable I mean the next day I felt ethereal and light and like something had been really shifted and it was such a a defined change that I, I felt um but yeah, at the time I was fucking terrified. I just wanted this thing to be over, and um, and it, in one night it just completely transformed me. Um, I never wanted to do it again. I was like, I'm, right, that's it. I never need to touch this stuff. It's powerful. I've done. Yeah, I don't think I'm going to do it. And what's interesting about alcohol is that I don't drink anymore. You know, I don't have a relationship. Like if I was in AA, I know I'd need to go to AA meetings for the rest of my life. Yeah. I can be around people drinking. I can be around people doing drugs. Um, I have no interest in doing it. I can have a sip. Like, you know, I might have like half a pint of beer with my dad or, you know, someone that I just want to, you know, I think it's important just to have a glass of wine or something. The thing is, I don't want to take it to the next step. And quite often, you know, you can count on one hand really how many times I've tried to just have a couple of little drinks or something with people it makes me feel terrible the next day so it's not even worth me drinking (laughs) it's such a it's such a strange thing it's literally rewired you know my brain changed something in my DNA I have no I, I, I don't care if people drink around me I can sip I can smell it all that kind of stuff but I have no real desire to drink yeah I can cook with wine or whiskey or whatever it is i can you know and we have a restaurant so you know happy for it to be you know i'm not going to tell people they shouldn't drink but for me i had a toxic relationship with it yep. and i think what it's allowed me to do now the medicine is that it's severed that relationship it's it means that i can i have the freedom to drink if i choose to i just choose not to and then you know in that time of um having the ceremony after things settled down a bit I was given the opportunity to train under the shaman that led the the ceremony and a few others so I joined the community of of shamanic practitioners and um, I went well I'm studying I'm you know a student of shamanism if you will I mean it's a very you know, it's an archaic way of life of, of yeah. being. They, some people call it the you know, the oldest religion, and yet it's not a religion either. It's just a, yeah, a, a it's way of preaching. being. Yeah, no, it, it, and it's things that I bring into my life. Like I say, it's the archaic. It's 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 things that we have evolved to in in our existence, and and if I bring them into my life now, um, it helps me slow things down. But it actually helps me deal with the modern world. Yeah. Um, it, I don't know really how to describe it, but I, it's because there's so many different branches of shamanism. You know, I study a, a wide number from Druidic, Celtic, Northern kind of Scandinavian shamanism to Cairo, Peruvian. So, but there's a kind of um, a shamanic worldview that exists in all of those. Yeah. So it's almost like we were once connected 10, 12,000 years ago. And then these things have splintered off and it become, you know, there's like a medicine man or woman in every community, but, you know, but, yeah, you know, I, I think together that at times. From 
my experience from you know having uh, having mushrooms as a as a ceremonial mushrooms yeah. was you know these mushrooms weren't from the UK they were from Asia so having my, my experience of, I forgot about that yeah, <laughs> <laughs> my experience of that was um, very Asian orientated you know yeah. lots of uh, lots of temples you know that way of life from over there and that comes from something that was in the ground i didn't even know you didn't tell me where they were from no i I, that's how i did i mean basically what happened is i had some mushrooms and i got them mixed up (laughs) (laughs) yeah so i should have had some golden teachers and we had these um thai mushrooms yeah but it was funny how the visuals were very kind of oriental like i mean asia it it was just these i it's it's the you see it in architecture yeah so the way you look at like thai temples that's what you're getting through these visions. And it's yeah. so, it's, I think there's so much that we, this is why I believe that, you know, uh, psychedelics had a huge role to play once upon a time with like human existence. Yeah. Because, you know, you see these amazing mandalas and, you know, all these, you know, sacred pieces of art. And you're like, that's a DMT trip. Yeah. That's a mushroom trip. <laughs> the only place they could have got those things is through that. Yeah. And yet we don't have them in our lives anymore, unfortunately. Uh, I'm glad to see it's changing. Yeah. And it's certainly changing more so in the States. Yeah, yeah, massively. These things help so many people. And I I really can't wait for the day when, you know, people can get more access to these sacred plants and medicines because that's, it doesn't, it's not for everyone. I appreciate it's not for everyone. And, but I'm an avid supporter of it. It's helped me immensely. And, you know, in my journey, I, I now work with certain medicines, plants, not all, you know, psychedelic, but, you know, even something like cacao. And um, even when we do like song circles, it's just bringing everyone together and, ha- you know, creating medicine as the community. Yeah, yeah. Just bringing those things into our lives will get us through the mess of what's going on outside sometimes. You but know? I think it's that. A community piece that you just touched on as well there isn't it i mean how how often do as a creature humans are supposed to be social how often do people have small communities you look at the blue zones around the world mm-hmm. the five blue zones that recognize you know that are recognized for longevity of life are based in countries five places that specifically are community based in every aspect of what they do as well as physical and well-being but it's it's the community point which is the main focus obviously plant-based diets and all of these things but that one thing that stands out is community they work with each other for everything they do and these people are living happy lives for you know up to their sort of 110s it's it's average for them that that's their average life expectancy mm. and you think they're not over here they're not isolated on phones they're not you know they wouldn't prefer to have a conversation through a text message than meeting up and having a cup of tea yeah. you know and and what you're doing with with the plant medicine is you you you're in a community mm-hmm. of people of like-minded people that um go about just doing good things for people with plant medicine well you know what i I think it's yeah you're right i think my when i was going through the worst times i looked at the kind of spiritual communities um 
or medicine communities and you know I always saw people kind of smiling and happy and I, I, I always thought to myself like I want what they've, they've got you know because I'm not happy and it was largely down to lifestyle it was down to not being able to release certain emotions in a natural way you know I'd mask it by you know, drinking a load and sticking gear up my nose you know mm. and and late nights and bad diets and you know so many things um whereas when i started going on the medicine path then yeah you you open yourself up to other people in that community firstly not everyone's happy <laughs> <laughs> i noticed that now but at the same time i think it's it, everyone is conscious about bringing things into their life that make them feel better yeah and you know and sharing their stories so other people can learn from that as well so yeah i mean i i dip my toes in and out when i can it's it's good it's a different it's a different energy and it helps me be a calmer person because you know i still run restaurants so i'm still a chef by trade yep. so you know i part of me is like highly strung and you know overstressed and this kind of the persona of being a chef is quite often um it, well it's something i need to balance by being in those things something that can bring me down so i you know i love meditation for that or i love singing uh, and the kirtan the the yeah. you know the the music that we play in ceremony because it just helps me decompress. It helps me just get rid of all that shit. You know, once upon a time when I was a Thai boxer, I used to go into the ring and you know, hit punch bags, hit pads and stuff and get all my aggression out that way. But now I can do it just sitting in a, you know, a, in a little circle singing Kumbaya, you know? Yeah. Well, it- <laughs> <laughs> I don't sing Kumbaya. Um, but it's but, fre- frequency, know. isn't it? Energy frequency just balances you out. I mean, most people would be able to relate to this in the sense that they'll probably listen to certain types of music or have recognized when being in a car driving what certain types of music does accidentally to your speed limit (laughs) yeah and your concentration levels and you know people are drawn to emotional music or calming music or you know if you're sat there on a beach in fucking cypress somewhere you're not listening to heavy metal while you're laying there are you it's just some <laughs> do you know me Doug <laughs> <laughs> I still listen to metal yeah um, no I get you're, you're right but, but again it, it's that awareness isn't it if you know with the little bit the medicine that you need to bring you back or you know bring balance into your life that for me is one of them it's just you know we're currently sat in my kitchen so there's we've got a meditation space which is like next to the kitchen, like in a sunroom, and you know all the you know the little drums and uh, I've got a little harmonium, a couple of guitars and stuff. So you know creating a little space like that where I can come in the morning or after work during the day. You know this is yep. a little this, this is my little medicine area, and I enjoy that. It's it's important that I have that in my life now, and it's made so much difference. You know. Five years ago, I had none of this. Yeah, I just used to have hangovers and sit on the TV, you know, sit on the sofa watching Netflix because I, you know, trashed myself the night before. You know, now this is this is medicine, and then, again, this isn't for everyone. But um, I would always, I, I would always encourage people to find the medicine that they need in their lives. So, you know, whether it is going out train spotting or you know, a, a, a regular walk through a forest or whatever it is, there, there's something that people can bring into their life to, you know, bring the frequency down yep. and just, you know, 
find some calmness calm, find some stillness in their lives yeah somebody said to me uh, the other day oh that was it I went out on a random date with someone yeah. and yeah <laughs> we need to know more don't we <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it was just a drink date actually a conversation but it, 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 somebody said to me what are your hobbies yeah I was like hobbies that's that thing that you do to enjoy yourself when you've got nothing else to do and you know and she was like no it's just something that you do like what's the thing that you like doing I was like ah yeah that I haven't really made time for a hobby for a mm. long time but then you come to realise actually there's little bits and pieces of things that you do in your life that kind of are a hobby like for me I get a lot of reward mentally for being at the gym so I have you know I've spoken about it earlier wasn't going for a while back there two three times a week four last week which is the first time for a long time um, and I get a lot of mental clarity and reward mentally for that. I don't go to to look, you know, Herculean or anything like that. Mm. I literally go because when I don't go, I struggle, and I enjoy it. I've actually rather than you know just isolating certain muscle groups every time mm. I go, I'm actually just trying random new workouts, mm-hmm. all sorts of things, because um, that's guess that's my hobby. And at yeah. the time when I was asked it, I was like, I've no idea. I'm going to have to go away and think about this. Sure. But it, isn't it interesting, though, because I, I think that, I mean, I see that on CVs and we talk about it, about having hobbies and stuff. But, you know, cooking's a hobby for me. Mm. But people might go, oh, yeah, but you get paid for that. It's just like, but why not? Why shouldn't you, you get, get paid. paid for your hobby? Do you yeah. know what I mean? Why shouldn't you do something you love? I think the dis- distinction that the fact that, Many people are in jobs that they don't necessarily like and therefore need to... What's their little balance? Yeah. What is their something? That, what is their medicine in that sense? I get that. I think maybe me, people need to make more of that. I'm always, I always admire people that you know have their... could be fishing. It could be carp fishing or something. You know, yeah. it, That's their switch off. My brother-in-law is very much like that where he, um, he goes down the lakes and um, just sits down there for hours at a time. I don't know if he catches anything. I'm sure he does. But, um, you know, just being out there and switching off. And I, I appreciate that. That's medicine, you know. Yeah. I always love the... Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello? Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Yeah, medicine, I, I, I'm trying to think what the definition was, but someone had said it before where it's like, you know, it's the thing that is good for you that you need. It's not like the way we think about pharmaceuticals and that kind of medicine. It's just. It's the something that's good for you that you need. And um, and I guess it goes to these kind of pillars of, you know, better mental health that we talk about. You know, what are the things that we need in our lives to keep us you know, functioning properly? Yeah. I, it's one of those things, I, it literally just popped into my head, but it, it's people needing to kind of realise that we talk about it a lot and a lot of people talk about it. it's never really taught you never learn about it growing up mm. um but if you were from a different culture western culture not so much but you know in asian cultures all across you know middle east and asia 
all the way across to Eastern Asia. There's there's a um, a notion of understanding balance, mm-hmm. um, and you know when there's a load of bad stuff going on, you don't necessarily see the good things because you're only focused on the bad. But there is balance. There yeah. are things happening, um, and I think when people's mental health is in question, um, finding that balance is is probably one of those main important pillars. I think that we've we've spoken about before is just being able to recognise. Yeah, that, well, the me- you, know, you know the, the poor mental health is the symptom. So it's just yeah. going back to source. Okay, what's out? What do I need? Yeah. I um. I'm coming to that part where, you know, I've, I've done a run of like seven weeks where I've been traveling a lot, you know, festivals and you know, weddings, uh, cooking, that is. I don't get invited to weddings anymore. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but cooking those things, I've been out uh, in the Middle East cooking and opening steakhouses and things. Um, I feel exhausted. And, and this week, I've had friends in town. I've had, you know... Responsibilities to my business partners, and I just feel exhausted. You know, it's this one. I should have been. I should have taken this week off, and you know, either gone out to the countryside or sitting on a beach or something. I, but I needed this, and yet I've had to do things that, um, you know, responsibilities to people around me, and I'm just like I'm really exhausted. So I know I'm pushing myself, and this is probably the next week. I have to make things very different yeah. but I'm sure I will you know I, I'm I'm not I've come too far in my life or in, in the last three years to not do these things it'd be you know self-destructive of me not to do that yeah. you know but I, I as someone that's living through that I understand that now is the time I need to start listening to myself listening to my body listening yeah. to my mind and saying like okay right go and sing chant Harry Krishna for all morning and you know go for a run and yeah. walk in the forest I now live opposite Epping Forest, so I'm kind of really grateful to having that space in my life. I can open the front door and the forest is just there. And, you know, just being able to go for a walk, even like half an hour in the morning before going to work, it's so restorative. So haven't done that for a few weeks, need to do it. It's those little things that you can apply to your It life, is, right? yeah. I mean, it's, you know, I don't... Half-hour dog walk in the morning which you know I went through a period of, of, of not doing as well you don't realize that just how good for you that is um you know the the wake up the you know, the the first thing you're doing is going outside mm. which you know once upon a time when you lived in a cave that was what you did yeah <laughs> you got up yeah, and you went to and you walked towards <laughs> the light because you know there's an innate part of you that real that knows that that's good for you and, I, and we yeah. you know we don't do that people don't do that enough well it's, it's the first few hours of the morning where the sun's at you know it's best for getting vitamins in our eyes i actually stopped wearing sunglasses yeah for that reason i don't wear i haven't worn sunglasses for years but it was because of and particularly if i go to india or somewhere but we don't always get sun in the uk but it's the gazing at the sun in the morning when it's you know, just kind of waking up. You're yeah. just waking up, but your your eyes get vitamins. Yeah, and so many of us don't know this, but that's when we can get all the good stuff from the sun. You only need like an hour of that, but just not directly looking at the sun. Don't be doing that. But it's just having it, just around. having it around, and on yeah. your skin as well. You know, 
So, um, it's yeah, the I just the only way it. to absorb vitamin D. Completely. Yeah, you're not getting it anywhere else. Yeah. And where everybody's, you know, it's now a compulsory thing once a year, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Government advice. Please have vitamin D supplements from September onwards so that you can see through the winter without getting the flu. But don't forget your flu jab too. Oh, really? Have they just started saying that? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Wow. Didn't say that a few years ago, did they? No, yeah, during lockdown. We'll keep you inside so that you can't have any vitamin D. Oh, shit. Ah, backtrack. It's really good for you. Have a supplement. <laughs> I know, so you're, I know you're, you're on this path of uh, nutrition. Yeah. You have been always interested in that. We talked about it before you went down that path, really. I mean, we were talking about kind of gut health and, you know, the, the, the microbiome. What, what we ate, that, yeah. because we're chefs. Yeah. And we knew the difference as well. We knew when we were eating well, we felt better. And when we were eating shit, we didn't. Um, yeah, it's, but um, it's, it's been great to see you going on this journey and, you know, what you're becoming now. Because now I can quiz you and ask for, you know, <laughs> questions i always feel like i i know a certain amount but you just want to know more so it's about probing you to find out that little bit more yeah and i think um one of the things i wanted to do with that and i was discussing it with um one of the lecturers today uh, this morning actually before um starting next year was my learning process is different to other people and i quite i struggled quite a bit this year with lecture engagement because right. there's so much fucking information it's like it's you know, this this course is, um, you know, full biochemistry, body, and plants, yep. so that you understand everything, you know. Um, and I learn from doing, from visuals, from all of these things. And I came to the realization this morning, I've been talking about, like, you know, starting this um, business for a long time, mm -hmm. but actually... I can start curating dishes. I'm a fucking chef. I can start curating dishes now yeah. that work towards all of those things. So I've got the visual learning and understanding of what's going in and that's good for you. And I've already got a recipe written down for, you know, 18 months time to be mm. able to teach someone yeah. um, when they're suffering from a certain illness. You know, these things, here's some recipes, go away. That You know, not supplements because I'm, I'm so... I'm not anti-supplements because it's, it's like an antibiotic. At some point in your life, if you've got blood poisoning yeah. and you don't take an antibiotic, you're fucking dead. Yeah, but yeah. you don't need them when you've got the sniffles. I it's, mean, I take a lot of supplements. <laughs> <laughs> but it's the same with supplements. Like, you know, um, vitamin D all year round because the UK yeah. doesn't get much sun. So, yeah. No, but we, do, we are different though. I mean, because I, I, I've always questioned this, but people say, yeah, we don't get enough. But we've lived in the Northern Hemisphere for, you yeah. know, thousands of years. So, we must be, uh, you know, we must have evolved to have, to, to, to work with, you know, the, yeah. the vitamin we, D that does come from. We actually do have it. I mean, that statement, I guess, is actually quite bold to say that there isn't enough sunlight. It's actually just getting out because yeah. even the sunlight coming through the clouds, we can absorb the vitamin D through that because yeah. it's through the ultraviolet. But if you're not going outside, which... Yeah. And I think that's probably what, what people need to say a lot more. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Because it, Go some outside, people yeah. said it to me. I'm like, yeah, but that's why our skin's way lighter. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, you know, we're not down them. on the equator. We're, we're up here. There's not always, certainly in kind of Scandinavian countries, there's not always sunlight. But we, we thrive and survive. But it's, it's a, the lifestyles have changed massively. Yeah. And that's the problem. That's what we don't 
necessarily focus on, is it? Yeah, that's it. You know, it it is. Um, I think it's about curating things that are easier. And my thing around supplements, I guess, is, um, you know, if you've got a severe deficiency, then we need to top you up. But if we can, if you're not massively deficient, mm. but you're just low in nutrient value of certain things, then we can build that up with food. Yeah, you know, and. If there's one thing that almost everyone on the fucking planet has in common is they eat food because they like it. Yeah. You know. <laughs> uh, yeah, mostly. 99.9%. <laughs> and then a lot of people just eat it because that's they know that they need to. Yeah. But if you know that you need to eat something and then you can have something delicious that you know is good for you in front of you, why would you eat that? I guess it's that... Um, again creating life that's a bit easier um why have half an hour making a meal that's good for you when you could eat something quick and easy and then mm. have uh, a multi-vit in the morning for the, see, food is my the, the problem i have is that you know i don't booze anymore and my food choices for the best part of it are good yeah but i do over it i don't know when to stop eating mm. do you know what i mean i will i'm like pac-man i just carry on <laughs> and and you know I might have two, three, four meals a day. I fast a lot as well. There are days when I don't eat a thing, but it's usually when I've got a day off. I just I find meals that I can have between meals, you know. Yeah. Um, and there is the problem. Or it's the late night stuff. And then you know, if I don't train, then yeah, you put on weight. You, you know, you get out of shape. And but it is food. I take the supplements, and you know, I'm, I'm athletic greens as a drink. I have. Um, they come with a little D2 supplement and then I've got about 14 other supplements that I have yeah. and then I take tinctures of various kinds um, you know that's my morning routine because I don't always know if I'm going to eat that day so there is that and I would I totally agree I think having a, a, a good diet is we don't need yeah. supplements we've not evolved to have supplements but it's making sure we've got a, a diet that can support that. Yeah. And unfortunately, you know, the food that's out there, a lot of food that gets, you know, certainly goes through a supermarket, doesn't have the nutrients that it did like 100 years ago. So, you know, and that's even organic food as well, you know. So we, we are going to, I think we do have to top up regardless of a good diet. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, I, w- I would I would have to agree, you know, especially with, with certain, especially certain things, you know, like B12s that are not bioavailable anymore. Mm, so yeah. you, you have to have to have a tablet because yeah. we, um, you know, westernized farming, we fucked the soil because we wanted to mass produce things. And that's, you know, luckily there's a lot of people that are working hard to regenerate yeah. in the country, but that's, it's not like it's hitting a brick wall, but it's like, you know slowly slowly it will take it will take time and even our diets at the moment you know if being conscious about organic or heirloom even the amount of your know, vegetables and stuff i grow here um it, there's a lot of food to process in a week and it's not all coming off a regenerative farm even with me being conscientious about it but yeah, it will you, get there you do have to have that understanding i mean most people's um food purchasing education mm. is a supermarket yeah um you know and for anybody that's ever seen mold on blueberries will probably never see mold on blueberries ever again if they buy them from a fucking supermarket because you know they're available for a couple of months a year in this yeah. barely what 10 weeks in this country if that if well, yeah i mean if they're um you can get them all year round yeah. but i think if they're naturally grown it's naturally yeah. grown yeah um and if you 
I saw it the other day in, in my fridge. I, you know when you just put stuff in the fridge and things eventually get to the back without you realising? <laughs> I, uh, I had a packet of blueberries that was out of date by three weeks, which means it was picked at least five, six days before. Yeah. So it's four-week-old blueberries. Yeah. Not an ounce of mould on them. Wow. Just condensation on the plant. Uh, that's fucking dangerous. Well, you know what? It, uh, when I think about it in a, with my shamanic hat on it's like you know the the shamanic worldview is that everything is energy and you know we can quantify energy you know there's we can certainly quantify a lot of it and there's things we can't but you know everything has energy whether it's thoughts or words or you know the food and there's the thought that you know when we grow plants they're absorbing the sun's energy and when we eat those plants we're just eating the sun's energy There's also a guy, I've come across a few things on YouTube. I don't know if they are, uh, I don't know how much truth there is to it. They certainly put on a good story, but they could be completely bullshitting. But people that don't eat and they just get their energy from the sun. Yeah. Um, I don't know if there's any truth to this, but it's an interesting concept. Either way, you know, everything is energy. Everything is, you know, frequency so, you know, when we're eating, you know, an apple and it's nice and ripe, it's because that's had all the sun's energy through its season. When it's ripe, it's yep. ready to go. Do you know what I mean? Um, but as soon as we cut things, they're going to start losing that energy. Now, we could, I, I could stop saying energy and I could start saying nutrients. Yep. As soon as we cut that, those nutrients will start fading, you know? And if it's sat in your fridge for a few weeks, yeah, there's nothing in there. So while it might fill you up and while it may texturally or even flavor wise tastes like a fucking blueberry yeah. there's not much left in that and unfortunately a lot of stuff that's getting even before picking because we've kind of you know destroyed the land and we've hybridized seeds so they grow quicker more you know resistance to pests and uh environment that we've lost what was good in them in the first place yep so, um, yeah, I guess, you know, I'll, I'll say energy. We can talk about nutrients. But we're not even getting the good stuff before it's even being picked. And if it sits in your fridge, because we're having a big shop once a week, once every two weeks, it's really not that good for us. So it's just having, again, that awareness about what we're eating. Yeah, it is. And, and that's, uh, that's one of the most important things about nutrition. That, you know, my understanding, obviously, from 16 years, you know, being a chef, you understand where things come from. You you know you look into the produce that you're buying so that you've got the best possible things that you've got. But actually, truly understanding um, what terminology means mm-hmm. as as far as anything goes, ninety percent of what we understand organic is is just a tick box. Yeah. It's like you know people lost the word battery farming when they was like this is free range chicken because it's mm. got an extra ten meters to run around. Yeah. You, you know, your your mindset leans towards the tick box that they're saying. And, you know... It's a branding, it's, it's marketing, branding, yeah. exactly. Um, but you talk about energy and nutrition, uh, it's exactly the same thing. You think um, every fucking martial arts film anyone ever watched from the 80s and 90s was all about someone being able to harness their chi. Mm. In Chinese medicine, for thousands of years, they've been using plants to treat people yeah. and you know treat cancer. In, in Japan and China, they still use plants and mushrooms to treat cancer yeah. alongside chemotherapy. So it's yeah. not one size fits all, but it, you know, it's been done. That's all energy. And 
there's thousands of years of, of research and education behind that. You know, Chinese hospitals, they still use traditional Chinese medicine. Mm. But we we over here are like, eh, I can't well, have you know, pot there's... of tea, mate. It's <laughs> fucking, doesn't taste very nice. I mean, we could go on a deep dive about... <laughs> Big pharma, energy, you know. <laughs> <laughs> those things. Yeah. We'll, we'll keep, we'll, we'll avoid that. But you know, I there are there are a lot of things we can. Uh, there's a lot of inspiration we can take from around the world, and look at other countries and what they do, or you know, other belief systems. And but yeah, you know, I think as chefs, we we have a responsibility to you know put out good food to other people. You know, food. For all the kind of medicine work I do, food is the ultimate medicine. Do you see what I mean? Yeah. And um, you know, I've I've got way more conscientious. I know I've I've always tried to source from you know good farms and support good you know producers and farmers and stuff. Um, you know, Acme I've got now. Uh, we lead with vegetables, but we try and make sure that vegetables are it's a tick box, but organic or heirloom varieties but we hope that you know we're not just getting stuff from a hot house in uh, holland or um you know something that's been intensively farmed uh and the same with meat. if we were going to do meat and i'm a complete carnivore i I mostly eat meat these days but you know if we're going to do it again it there needs to be uh, a responsibility it's making sure that we're supporting regenerative farming because we believe that is where you know the future yeah. is it's not going completely plant-based i think that's rubbish yeah, it's um even though you know I, I tried it for a few months and it, it had some positives on me i just don't think it's sustainable and also you know when the, the, the plant-based argument starts supporting kind of monocrops then you know that's not good for the soil either so i th- yeah i do believe regenerative farming is where it's at it's the original way of farming we just lost it uh-huh. <laughs> um so it's yeah, just, it's rotation, isn't it? Absolutely, it's yeah. Complete stock, right? It, it's you know, stock rotation. I'll say it like that. But mm. you know, the, the the farm behind my nan's house up in Norfolk, um, the the rotation of the seeds that they grow mm-hmm. changes year yeah. in year out. Um, and you know, the heat that we had last year had a fire. Um, that ash, it's really shit for him last year, but this. For the next few years, that ash is going to is going to have a really positive effect on his growth, and yeah. you know, blessings in disguise and all that jazz. But he, you know, he rotates every year, so yeah. every year behind that house is something else growing mm-hmm. because that's the old way of doing it. Yeah, completely. And you know, and so I think yeah, it, to, going back to where I was with the responsibility, I think we have as chefs is just making sure that if the, if it is the the ultimate medicine then we can only start yeah, I'd like people to turn up to my restaurant just having not just nice tasting food or colourful food but actually you know we're trying to be conscientious about the ingredients you're getting in there in the first place yeah. we stopped using seed oils you know we eradicated seed oils about six months ago Made a, I kind of made a big thing about it pushing it because again these are things that I'm doing within my own diet hmm. now I will admit, every now and then, I might still have some fried chicken or some fish and chips. Ideally, I try and have some fish and chips that are cooked in beef tallow. Yeah. Do you see what I mean? But while I make these decisions about, you know, what I'm eating and how I'm eating, but I'm also, like, you know, checking. If I buy things in, let's take a shit loaf of bread, like, you know, a Warburton's loaf or something like that, you know? 
Every now and then I want that. There's a nostalgia thing attached to having like a peanut butter sandwich or a corned beef sandwich or something like that. But I know how much crap is in a, a you know, a, a supermarket loaf of bread these days. Yeah. But I don't want to serve that to other people. If I take that responsibility on myself and say, look, you know what? I'm going to have this in my own diet this week. And I'll feel rough. I feel pretty bloated because I had two chip butties last night. <laughs> God, I was in the bin. Um, just exhaustion. Um, but, you know, that, that's, that's something I'm taking upon myself. Yeah, yeah. And I know I'm going to suffer a bit today and it won't be a part of my diet moving forward until such time as I need that little trip down memory lane. But, you know, feeding other people, I think there's a responsibility to making sure that I'm not giving people things that are destructive to their health. Yep. So, you know, we rarely fry things. But if we fry things, we'll fry it in, you know, a very good quality hand-pressed olive oil, which I'm told by the producers of the olive oil, we can fry in that. That's good. Some people might say you shouldn't heat olive oil. I'm open to that discussion, but, you know. It's got a high boiling point. So do you know what I mean? Well, but it's when like it, a low smoke point. Rather. Yeah, but... When it's hand-pressed, like, I've been talking with uh, two different companies that, you know, make these amazing olive oils, both from Greece, actually. But they say, no, you can use it. And so far in the restaurant, it works. But otherwise, we use animal fats. You know, I'm really, I I think we've evolved to have animal fats in our diet. I know we have, in fact. So, you know, frying in beef tallow, pork fat, chicken fat, but mostly beef fat, I think is, uh, you don't want it too often, but... I'd sooner go down that route. And, you know, if we can work with things like butter, coconut oil, olive oil, you know, if you don't eat meat, then there's those ones. But seed oils, I mean, wow, look into them. They're so destructive. And they're in everything these days. So even like, you know, cakes that we would have made with like flour, eggs, a bit of milk and butter, you know, cakes that you buy in now, they've replaced the butter because it's... With, with, you know, rapeseed oil or sunflower oil, those things, it lasts longer, it, it, it doesn't spoil, it doesn't go rancid. And But, you know, look at our health these days. There's the problem. Seed oils are massive. Way worse than sugar, way worse than flour. Gluten. Yeah. Seed oils by a long shot. That's the thing that you've got to worry about. Yeah, and in 20 years' time, mm. when the uh, pandemic from sugar kicks yeah. in, and everybody suddenly goes, oh, you've got diabetes too. Yeah. <laughs> it's that too, isn't it? Yeah. Well, get a lot of these things out. Like, I mean, you know, processed foods. We move away from processed foods. I think you're Try absolutely right, though. Yeah, you know, when owning a restaurant, cooking food on a daily basis for somebody that's not yourself, you have a responsibility to give the best possible thing that you can give mm-hmm. you know i mean you'd be a pretty fucking shit chef if you weren't but it's that um it is obviously a lot of people go do you practice what you preach i was i was asked this the other day as well you know are you're studying nutrition are you always healthy the answer is no not all the time but 99 percent of the time i'm pretty conscious about what i'm doing yeah but you know like you with certain weaknesses in food my weakness is pizza yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I've I've always made the joke that somebody could get me into bed with pizza and donuts. I don't know well, why, but yeah. those two things yeah. it is gluten. But I know that I can't have it often. Yeah. I know it because um, if I do, if I have them both, and you know, too much gluten in one day, I'm mentally I'm struggling. Like physically, I'm struggling. For, you know, I'm just exhausted after it. I don't get like 
full on bloats and, and anything like that. I haven't got an intolerance, but I just, I recognize the effect because I don't have it every day anymore. Yeah. Um, and it's, you know, a responsibility to, for me, probably it's as it's one of my favorite things to eat is to mm. figure out a fucking good way of doing it. That's not cauliflower. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Now, listen, I, I think that as we are both chefs, and we've enjoyed, you know, many years of cooking, cooking a variety of things. It's like, you know, in my restaurant, Acme, I and myself and the team, we've made conscious decisions to say we want to make sure that without shouting about it, the food is healthy and reflects the things that we would eat in our, life, in our yeah. own diets most of the time. But yeah, I also do consultancy for other people and they, I, therefore I then work to briefs and if that's what they want, well, I can write a recipe for that. I don't have to challenge what they do and how they serve food. Yeah. I work in that sense. Maybe there's going to be a time when I challenge the ethic, my own ethics behind that, but for the time being, this is the path I'm on and that's what I do. But certainly from my own restaurant, I want to make sure that I'm giving the best food that I can to, to the guests. Yeah. And in my own life, yeah. Do I do this all the time? I try to be aware all the time. But then, you know, there'll be times when I, I want to go out, I want to eat, you know, something that's deep fried. Or I go to a restaurant. I just don't go to, I don't go out as much as I ever used to. So therefore, that helps. Yep. But I'm aware of things. I might go out sometimes and say, look, you know, I'm not eating bread. I'm going to avoid the, anything that comes with gluten because I just know it's not going to delicious and the problem is I'll eat a fucking lot of it but I'll just be a bit more aware of how much I am eating I'll just say look this time I'm not going to do it because if I have it tonight I've had it last night night before you know it's that kind of thing so just being a little bit aware um do you know in the in the in the pandemic I I, I went kind of completely plant-based for about two three months and you know I did feel completely different you know and, and I think that's important to always look at your diet. I don't think there's any right way of doing things. Personally, there are people that you know are vegetarian. There are people that are vegan, and it works for them. Who yeah. am I to say it doesn't? Um, but I've got to be honest. I went back to eating just meat and mostly meat, and I feel pretty fucking good. Like you know, I'm not 100% carnivore, but I'm probably 80% carnivore. Yeah, I'm definitely high protein. Not too many carbs. I grow a lot of lettuces and greens and courgettes and things in the garden, so they feature. And I love tomatoes. But, I, yep. you know, vegetables are a minimum thing. And I know we used to talk a lot about alkaline diets. And I've, I've, somewhere along the lines, I need to revisit that because while I, a lot of it makes sense, the fact is I also, you know, went on a deep dive about the hunter-gatherer way of life and how we would have evolved to eat mostly meat. And it's true. Like, you know, vegetables are essentially man-made. Yeah. You know, they all come from a wild plant, but that plant didn't have a big bulbous, you know, root that we've, we've cultivated these things to create a root that we can eat. Yep. And, you know, I love, I love foraging. I love getting wild things. And they're nutrient-rich so I still do that. I still believe in that. Love mushrooms, for, you know. But things like fruits, they've evolved to be eaten so they can spread their seed around. You yeah. know what I mean? So having a diet that's largely meat or fruit 
And if you're in the Northern Hemisphere, there certainly wouldn't have been a, an abundance of fruit around in the winter. So it definitely would have been mostly meat you would eat. Yeah. And, you know, I, don't, I wish that things like meat, red meat wasn't, um, you know, as vilified. I, I think we can get a lot of the vitamins that we actually need in our diet through red meat, through liver. And I've been on that journey and it, it, it helps me a lot. I feel way stronger. I've, you know, my joints don't ache anymore. I feel pretty good. Well, you, you say liver is an interesting thing that, um, you know, when you trace it back, you understand just how fucking clever the Egyptians were a long time ago. But um, they used to believe that uh, liver would help them see in the dark. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It so it's does. not carrots. So it's not carrots. But it's actually when you, you, you soon realize that beta carotene yeah. that's in carrots is in liver. All right. They weren't wrong. Yeah. But, yeah. you know, obviously now we're able to sort of say, look, this is the thing that helps you see. Sure. Um, you know, better in the dark. You're not yeah. going to be able to see in the dark permanently. It's no, no, not, no. You know, but it's, um, it's, it's that improvement of things, that health that these people were doing this thousands of years ago because they somebody had eaten it once and gone, oh, fucking hell, I can see through this uh, you know, pyramid a little bit easier. And then you yeah. know it became a uh, you know a sacrificial thing. It was yeah. it, obviously more so now. But red, red meat is an interesting one because if you have grass fed beef, you're not getting any of the shit that's pumped into it. I mean, obviously within reason, you're not getting the antibiotics and things yeah, that yeah. pumped into the feed, and you know. But grass fed beef is is the way to go. I mean, they've yeah. literally done studies on it. They the the studies that are out there that show that too much red meat can cause cancer mm-hmm. is based around Bad red the meat. modern way of farming. Yeah. But if you remove that and then you do the studies around red meat from grass-fed beef, yeah, yeah. you're not getting topped up with all of those antibiotics, with all of that yeah. dirty feed that's come from shit crops to try and yeah. force it through. Completely. You're just having, you're eating an animal that's having a natural life and I say that in, with weird quotation marks because obviously it's still being farmed but as natural uh, no no absolutely uh, uh, I, I mean position as, as it can be I've got friends that have um, I was talking to them in the week actually but you know they have cattle well, it's basically rewild yeah. uh, they, they rewild their lands so the cattle are free to roam not in field but just literally huge pastures two particular farms that do this that i know um and i know there's a lot way more but these these are kind of close friends so you know it follows the route of regenerative farming but also rewilding the lands and then you know you see some very very happy animals just going out and doing their thing um and you're right these studies that everything has its kind of limitation but you know we certainly shouldn't be just jumping on you know one series of studies if we don't know who's been funding that or what the variables were behind the test you know what i mean Um, that's it i mean you know if you think about it um scientific studies are publicized yeah they're published because there's a scientific journal and if somebody repeats something a thousand times and it's accurate a thousand times, then it becomes fact. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, all you've got to really do is look at history and look at the thousands of years of research that it's there. You know, if tra- traditional Chinese medicine wasn't good for you, they'd have stopped it a thousand years ago. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, they wouldn't still be using it now. If, if ayahuasca was bad for you, 
you know, obviously nobody has it every day because nobody has it every day. <laughs> <laughs> but if it was bad for you, people wouldn't still be taking it after a thousand years. No. You know, plant medicine is, is what it is because it's been going for thousands of years. If it doesn't benefit a certain narrative currently active, mm-hmm. then that's where the problem lies. Yeah. And it's, it's the same with food choices. It's the same with everything else. If we just kind of alkalinity... You know, everybody was banging on. We both did it. We, we looked into it both. And, and now that I actually have a far greater understanding of how the body works, yeah. I now know that, yes, alkalizing the body in a way of putting it is, is it's not the body, it's the blood. And you can, you can do that from, you know, intermittent fasting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. From you know, the longer you leave your body fasting, the more it kicks out the shit in the system that it doesn't need because it finds a way of working through it. Mm-hmm. If you've got excess of certain vitamins, it will utilize it. If yeah. you've got excess fat, it will utilize that to you know create a ketone, for example. All of these things, the more you allow your body to do, it will do. But if you're just topping all of that shit up mm. on a regular basis and creating a store, where you know where does it live? only so much it can piss and shit out and sweat out and all of these things but alkalizing the blood yeah does come from eating food yeah. and making the right choices that's fresh food not you know processed absolutely and and diet is an interesting conversation because people i don't believe there's one set diet for each person no. it's very much like um you know, I suppose the way we are now, once upon a time, it would have been very one set. You know, you'd have had your animal once a week, maybe, or maybe once every 10 days, depending on how long it took to find it and hunt yeah. it. And, you know, but foraging along the way. Nowadays, we have different genetics. We've grown in different ways. You know, people are born mm. in certain ways, certain you know deficiencies because the more and more shit that we eat, the more and more it does genetically pass down. Um, and that means there isn't one set diet for people. No, I totally, I mean, look, when you look at societies around the world, I go to India a lot Mm. and, you know, the country is largely vegetarian through, you know, religious reasons. Um, they thrive, you know, there are things that are wrong often to do with the water and, you know, how poor water can affect and bring disease. Uh, so there is disease out there, obviously, and you see people with, um, you know deformities uh but a lot of that is largely to do with like the clean drinking water or the lack of um but you know the food uh they are a vegetarian society there's no to my knowledge there's no vegan society in the world or and if that was the case then they would be thriving by now but you don't see that but there are a lot of kind of carnivore uh hunter-gatherer societies that are still around in the world and you know even like Inuits that have a largely meat heavy diet or meat and fat yep um for me I just went down that route because you know I tried a bunch of things I tried to see what works for me um but it came back down to wanting to understand more about hunter-gatherer lifestyle do you know what I mean yeah um it just made a bit more sense to me so when I started eating or going you know what it was it was more I just kept getting the, the, the real cravings for meat it's my body was telling me to eat meat do you, do you know what I mean yeah. and while I had a nice bit of balance 
I'm not even talking about fish, like just meat. Yep. So I just accepted that. That's what my body's telling me to have. Let's go. Let's eat meat. And well, it's, now it's, it's like um, it's like a pregnant person. Isn't yeah. It? They don't realise why they're doing it, but when they lean towards certain things, it's because they're actually de- mildly deficient in those things, yeah. and that's why they want it. You know, obviously, some people will think that a Big Mac is their the thing that they're craving. Actually, quite often, it's something within that hmm. that the body needs, but they don't realise that. It's just like yeah, learning yeah, yeah. to understand it, and and that's that is you you know you leaning towards that means that you you balance a healthy diet out around that that choice mm. of, of diet and I think that's what people need to do is um, weirdly build a relationship with food yeah. and, you know recognize if you've eaten that and you feel shit tomorrow don't eat it again for a couple of days yeah. and then you might realize that it's not a thing there's a really interesting um, product that's out there at the moment uh, it's called the the Zoe monitor, basically. I've heard of this. Yeah. I don't know enough about it, but I'm actually I've, all, I've ordered on. one to, right. to test because I'd like to to do it. And basically, it it helps you figure out, you know, without cutting things out for ten weeks in a time, yeah. it helps you to figure out the things that you're um, deficient in. It helps you to figure out the things that you're intolerant to as well. Yeah. Um, it won't tell you if you're allergic, severely allergic to something, but it's just a monitor that you put on. And you go on your day to day, send a pee sample across, all of these things, you know, all of the usual stuff um, that the NHS is supposed to do, but you can't do it for yeah. them anymore, um, and have that done. And I'm quite interested to see what it is because when you realize what foods are doing, then you'll realize things that you can drop out because those things when you create an inflammation in the body, you create a response throughout the whole body that creates stress. Yeah. That puts cortisol in the system. Cortisol has its benefits, but mm. it's predominantly there because you're in a bad way. Yeah. Um, and it's not about sort of whacking in that dopamine spike every time you want, you know, oh, I really like chicken, so I'm going to have chicken every day <laughs> because it makes me happy. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's going, all right, let's, I really like that. It has an impact, but I'm aware of it, so mm. I can have it every now and then. It's like me with pizza. <laughs> <laughs> I can have pizza every now and then. Yeah. You know? Completely, completely. <laughs> I, I, I remember being in the States oh, about uh, a year or... S- no, sorry, about 10 years ago or something, and um, I had... Uh, I was having, you know, I, I wasn't as aware about my diet than I used to be. Laptop's dying. I was, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, I, and, I, and I, I was eating a lot of junk food, and then I just got to that point where about two weeks in, I was like, I need a salad, yeah. and I don't. It's not that I was, I wanted the junk food. It was just that was all that was kind of coming my way at various points, and I couldn't get a salad anywhere. I was really, really craving it, and then when I did finally find one, it was just like, look, have you got any dressing? I'm like. And all the dressings I had were just full of fat or, yeah. you know, mayonnaise-based. And so I'm just like, look, I just want some leaves and I want some olive oil and a little bit of lemon juice or something like that. <laughs> and it was so, so hard. So, look, you know, that was probably in my um, in my 30s, early 30s. I, um, as I'm kind of 45 now, it's just like, you know, these things, you've got to be so much more strict because your body can't even take it anymore. Do you know what I mean? Your body really will tell you exactly what you need to be eating. And yeah, and you've just got to recognise it. Exactly. Straight back to the start of the podcast. 
There we go. <laughs> Doug, good talking to you. You too, mate. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. 